2: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast, a late-week edition. Jake korowski here. You'll hear from Owen Reese in just a few minutes, talking to Jeff Risden from Real GM, the Lions Wire, as well as the Browns Wire. Great having him on the show. You'll hear some great insight into potentially how Bo Benchwell, now an undrafted free agent, surprisingly, how he'll fare with the Detroit Lions, and... So we'll dig into that with Jeff and also his opinions about the Wisconsin set of players going into this draft. And we'll dig into that in just a couple minutes, too. But I hope you guys are doing well. Thank you guys. uh, As interim manager of the site, thank you so much for coming to our site, reading spring football analysis. I'll go through just a small subset of my Top, I won't say top players, but players that stood out, the players that popped. I had it up on Bucky's fifth quarter already, but uh, I'll just name five off the, you know, five on this on the this episode. You can go to Bucky's fifth quarter dot com as well for that too uh, for a more di- uh, for a longer list. But uh, I'll say basically just give five in my opinion why they stood out. But then also we'll have uh, I'll play the interview at the end of the, end of the show with Leo Chanel. Inside linebacker, mid-year enrollee, talked with reporters last Friday, and you'll hear that coming up on the show. So before anything else, uh, let's just talk about the draft. Let's talk about four Wisconsin Badgers, Michael Dieter going to the Dolphins in the third round, and then three fifth-round selections from Wisconsin. Ryan Conley going to the Giants. You had Andrew Van Kingle going to the Miami Dolphins again. So he's joining Dieter down in South Beach. Then you have David Edwards going in the fifth round. I think that's a steal going to the Los Angeles Rams, joining Rob Havenstein down in, over in L.A. Not St. Louis, of course, L.A. And so, but no one else was drafted, which is interesting because you thought guys like Bo Benchwell, maybe TJ Edwards, maybe even someone else like a potentially an Olivier song Apollo or a Dakota Dixon would slip in those, those late rounds, those late day three picks. And that did not happen. So what happened uh, in, according to Ian Rappaport from the NFL.com NFL network states that he had about 20 offers and he eventually will sign with the Detroit lions and as an undrafted free agent. And then Wisconsin, is going to you know announce basically that T.J. Edwards would sign with the Philadelphia Eagles, and as an undrafted free agent. So those are the only two that really stood out as undrafted free agents with this class. And then you had a bunch of other. Uh, you had three others that they either reported for tryouts or um, you know they're they're there right now. And one of them is Taiwan Deal. This is a, a late breaking one. We just published it on the site on Friday, late Friday afternoon. But Amy Gill from WKOW 27 here in Madison first reported it, and then others, uh, when they're tweeting out the Green Bay Packers 2019 rookie orientation rosters, Taiwan Deal's name was on it. And you he, he saw some of the pictures on Packers.com. The one picture had him in number 34. He is, in, he is participating as a tryout. So that is big for him. I know there are... Reports out there, or tweets about him going to the Washington Redskins as an undrafted free agent, that did not come to pass, unfortunately. Uh, but we wish wish Tiamon the best of luck in the home state franchise, as everyone as well every every former Badger as well. Uh, Chris James will be was invited to the Chicago Bears rookie minicamp. That was according to Wisconsin State Journal's Jason Galloway, and then. Uh, Chris Boyle, a journalist down in uh, Florida, reported that Dakota Dixon had four uh, invites to rookie minicamps, Bucs, uh, Buccaneers, Eagles, 49ers, and Arizona Cardinals. So they are—they you know, have their chances. That's t- a really tough road, if you will. That's a tough journey, but that's the way they can get noticed, and it should be interesting to see how that pans out. Uh, so best of luck to them, uh, as well as uh, all the former Badgers now in NFL. It's been a pleasure covering all of them. Uh, all of them have been great to speak with uh, at various points of the year. And we'll see just uh, what comes of it for, you know, for these Badgers coming up uh, with this 2019 draft class. With that being said, I'm going to stop talking because Owen's going to take over for me in just a second. Like I said, we'll have some spring ball talk. After the break, I'll list five players that stood out to me uh, and, and really popped. Uh, and again, it's not the entire list, but we'll get to that in a couple minutes. But for now, uh, it's about a good 17-minute conversation. Owen talked with Jeff Risden again from Real GM. He's the managing editor of the Browns Wire and the Lions Wire. So, and he's also on ESPN 961, or 96.1, I should say. As you can tell, I'm probably reading this off of. Twitter right so you'll hear him coming up in just a second talking about Badgers NFL draft Bo Benchwell's chance with the Detroit Lions so stay tuned we'll be back in just a second here on Bucky's fifth podcast
0: all right back to fifth podcast Uh, I am here I am Owen Reese Uh, without Jake Kokorowski today I know Jake's done some of these podcasts by himself Uh, Today is my first time. So we have a big guest for you today uh, here to talk about some NFL draft fallout. We have Jeff Risden. Jeff is a, uh, he writes about the NFL draft for realgm.com. And he's also the managing editor for both Lions Wire and Browns Wire. With Jeff, how are we doing?
1: Hey, good to be with you. And uh, I'll try to be gentle on you on your first time being solo, bro.
0: (laughs) I appreciate it. Okay, so um, just a little bit of background on you, Jeff. Uh, just kind of if you could kind of talk about um, you know how you you've gotten here. obviously, you write for two different team sites. I'm sure that has to be a bit of a unique dynamic. If you can just kind of talk a bit how you've gotten to, uh, I guess where you are in, uh, in the landscape of, of draft and kind of uh, how we ended up here and how you ended up hands and the Browns.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, uh, this was my 16th NFL draft covering for Real GM. Uh, I've been doing it for a very long time, uh, and I've branched out. I've uh, been in a lot of places. Uh, just to, for, off the top, I am a Cleveland native. I'm from the, the Cleveland area in Ohio, but I've been a Detroit Lions fan since Billy Sims wore number 20, um, which some of you guys will have to look him up. He was really, really good back in the day, trust me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, And now I live in West Michigan. Uh, I actually live straight across the water from Milwaukee. Uh, on, the, on that side of Michigan, so uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of remote for everything, but I, I, I do I, I root for the Lions. I I am very excited for the Browns, but they don't just don't carry the fan passion. But I still really want to see them do well because most of my immediate family back in Cleveland is there. Uh, I've covered them both for uh, well, I've covered the Browns. This will be my fourth year. I covered the Houston Texans, where I also lived for some time uh, and where my kids are fans of uh, for a couple of years as well. So I'm I'm kind of all over the place.
0: For sure. Definitely uh, didn't catch that Detroit misery bug uh, from you there. Um, so speaking of the Lions <laughs> today, um, you know, I guess, first of all, speaking of, of potential or with, with bad, um, how has Ricky Wagner performed for the Lions the last couple of years when he signed? Yeah. Uh, I think it was the highest right tackle contract in the league at the time. How has he been?
1: You know, he's been up and down. He he played pretty darn well his first year, um, and, and one of the reasons was that he had TJ Lang next to him for most of the time. Uh, and, and TJ's a great player, uh, and we're going to miss him in Detroit. Uh, but Rick's been um, – he has not been the best right tackle in the league, as he's been being paid for. But he's been top 10, top 12, fairly consistent. I uh, don't think he was necessarily the best guy to have um, – one of the one of the issues that Detroit has had is that they have not had good tight ends in some time. And he was better when he had the the security blanket of a tight end in pass protection. And he has not had that in Detroit other than, than a brief time with Darren Fells. And I think that's held him back a little bit. He got hurt a little bit, but uh he he's a perfectly fine starting right tackle. Um, he's probably a little bit overpaid, but who isn't these days?
0: For sure. Uh, definitely. I think we're seeing a, a premium put on quality offensive linemen with the uh, abundance of freak alien athletes being put on the defensive line nowadays, uh, I guess. And before we get into specifically um, onto the the topic of this conversation of Bo Benchel, um obviously you cover the draft. Uh, I, I guess I'm privy to this, but others may not. Uh, you do a pretty extensive work leading up to the draft. Uh, what did you think of the Badgers in this year's class uh, as a whole?
1: It was a a bit of a down year. There wasn't anybody who was like a signature player. Um, I wanted to like Dakota Dixon more than I wound up liking him. Uh, Some of that was size. Some of that was injury. Some of that was just he he didn't quite do as much as I wanted him to do. Um, And and I think Wisconsin fans fans can probably relate to that. You know, the the lineman, Dieter, I like him. And and, and my projection for him, I think he's going to be a perfect number six offensive lineman. And I don't mean that in, in any derogatory way because that's a very important role for a lot of teams. How many teams wind up you know, shuffling in a tackle on the left side for three games and on the right side for five games? He's perfect for that, and he can also kick inside the guard. I think he's probably pretty good at center too. Uh, he's one of those guys that I, I love his flexibility. I love his ability to be functional at all five spots on a moment's notice, and I think that's a very valuable asset for him. He probably went a little bit lower, actually, than I thought he would. Uh, based on that, I, I I like the guy. I, th- I think he's going to be a, a very solid pro, uh, and 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 Badger fans should be very proud of him. Um, the rest of the, the group, you know, there there just wasn't a lot to hang your hat on this year. You know, I I watched them a couple of times. I did not see them in person last year. I did the two prior years. Uh, so so. I don't have as great of a that depth of a knowledge on them this year as I have in the past, unfortunately. But uh, it was, you know, when you don't have the top guys, it's hard to gravitate towards them, you know.
0: For sure. And I guess uh, I was asked this um, by somebody uh, recently. I guess, were you surprised that TJ Edwards and Bo Benshaw did not get drafted? Certainly they may not have been uh, premier prospects, but I at least somewhere on day three. Uh, And typically, I guess, you just really don't see guys that are that accomplished uh, usually go undrafted. There is, uh, you know, there are cases for it. Uh, I remember Scooby Wright was a guy that kind of came to mind to me uh, when, you know, talking about TJ Edwards. But I guess were you surprised that those two didn't get selected at all, uh, much less, you know, where they went on day three?
1: You know, I actually thought uh, that, that Edwards was probably a better NFL prospect than Van Ginkle was. Uh, just because I th- I think he has a higher floor, uh, but yeah, it, it's not that surprising. He doesn't have the the awesome traits. He doesn't have any one thing that's like, oh, he does that really really well. He's kind of you know, he's good, but not you know when you're when you get into the 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 third day of the draft, you know the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, teams are looking either for somebody who can fill a, a hole, um, play special teams or have one defining trait that they can work with and build around. Um, I'll I'll use Ty Johnson as an example of the Lions a Maryland running back. He's not a great running back, but he can be a return man and he can fly. You know, where was that with Edwards? You know, what was his one thing? You know, is he, is he a cover wizard? No, not really. Is he a blitzer? Not really. Is he a run stuffer? Kind of, you know, there's a lot of things there. So I, yeah, that, that that was it. Ben Shawell was interesting to me, um, and and you know, covering the Lions, we, we're we're getting a lot of talk about him and what he did. Uh, I remember him being in the first round of some preseason mock drafts last year, and that went away pretty quickly, uh, and and that was a little surprising for me. He's a very accomplished lineman. I, again, I think he's a high floor player, but I'm not sure that his ceiling merits uh, the, the athletic upside that you're going to get with some of the other prospects that get taken late. And some of those prospects even got taken super early. I mean, look at look at what Houston did with Titus Howard. Uh, he went twenty, what twenty third overall. So I, it, I I wouldn't have surprised me if he would have been drafted in the sixth or seventh round. But I also see why he did. Um, he did not have. He, you were there at the Senior Bowl. We stood next to each other and watched some of it. He he wasn't good there. And I think the the lack of athletic limitations, his his inability to keep his balance when he moves. Um, his, his slow feet, I think, really hurt him, and I think that was that was evident in those two days that it wasn't raining down there in Mobile, uh, and I think that got held against him.
0: For sure, I think that's something that something else. I I, uh, I believe I mentioned in an article uh, recently is that I think Wisconsin fans, and unique to Wisconsin fans, but oftentimes struggle to take off the uh, the rose-colored glasses or so, and they see they're so familiar with these players that they know what they do well. Um, They just don't receive the, I guess they don't see that they kind of miss the forest for the trees um, being so entranced with, with certain guys, TJ Edwards in particular, a big time fan favorite here, but um, I guess moving forward, let's talk about Bo Benshaw. We talked about him here just a second. Uh, I think probably like most offensive linemen from Wisconsin, better moving forwards than backwards. Uh, But what is your thoughts uh, specifically on him with Detroit? I mean, obviously, like you said, uh, TJ Lang retired. He was the left guard. Uh, You know, is there, uh, it was reported that Bill Benshaw had more than 20 offers as an undrafted free agent. Uh, What do you think, uh, what do you think specifically about him fitting with Detroit? And and do you think that he really has a chance to make the roster?
1: He does definitely have a chance to make the roster. They have a crowd of fairly underwhelming options. So Andrew Wiggins um, was the the, uh, fill-in last year for Lang. He was terrible. Uh, they went out and they signed Odei Abushi, who isn't awful, uh, but but is definitely a.
0: You a prefer a to league. not
1: have him starting, you know. Yeah, he's a bit of a
0: journeyman, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and and it shows in his play. Um, he has had streaks where he's played well, uh, but it, but it's hard to bank on that. And then there's Tyrell Crosby, who was the team's fifth round pick a year prior. They seem hell bent on keeping him as the sixth the sixth lineman and and the backup swing tackle. Uh and, and I get that. Um, you know, Wagner and, and Taylor Decker, the left tackle, have both had some injury issues. So I see that. But I think he's probably the best qualified for it and he's probably the top competition um for he, he should probably be the the hands on or or clubhouse leader for it. Though I do think, um and I'll say this for Lions fans, I think Lions fans are underselling the potential of Ode Ibushi to take over that job. Whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. But you know so that that's his competition. Uh, and, and they didn't really get anybody else in the draft. They didn't draft anyone else. So he certainly has a path to playing. Um, if if not starting, certainly making the team and, and contributing As you know, my guess would be he would probably be if he makes the team, he's probably the weekly inactive, but he could outplay that if he has great preseason, somebody gets hurt, he he's right there. That, so that's probably why he signed with Detroit um I, I believe there is some connection between um someone on the lions training staff and wisconsin i don't know what that is yet but uh apparently they were very familiar with him uh it was a familiar face that he could relate with so so that might have played into it as well but of course you know signing bonus matters and it sounds like he got a decent one they haven't publicly disclosed it yet, but. Uh, they, they didn't just get him for nothing. Uh, it, it was sort of, when you get to that point, you're buying an extra draft pick and, and that's essentially what they did with him.
0: Sure. And that was something I was a bit uh, taken back by. I, I wasn't, um, maybe not due to the quality of the player, but I think a lot of stuff like Dakota Dixon, I believe it's been reported has two or three, uh, tryouts for, uh, rookie camps. Um, whether I believe the 49ers are one, the Cardinals, and I believe there's another team, um, you know, but so. Two to three teams, maybe even four, is probably pretty typical. I was pretty shocked, uh, like I said, when I believe even Ra- uh, Ian Rapoport believed it, or tweeted that it over 20 teams had uh, had offered him as an undrafted free agent, which to me, is, and maybe uh, I just haven't paid enough attention, but to me, that seems a, a staggering number for a guy that went undrafted.
1: Yeah, it really does. Uh, to give you an idea, the Lions also signed uh, an offensive tackle out of San Diego State, Ryan Pope. Uh, they actually wound up, they disclosed this. They're paying him $140,000, which is really good money for an undrafted free agent uh, with, with some of it actually guaranteed. Uh, and he had, I think, 12 offers. So so the fact that there was a much bigger market for, for Ben Schaul than that is, uh, that, that speaks to how well regarded he is in terms of his chances to stick in the NFL. Uh, and it, I hate to, to do this, but if he doesn't make it in Detroit, he's going to get other offers really quick. Um and, and maybe it'll be one of those things where he just doesn't fit in the Lions blocking scheme. Uh, we'd all like to know what that is because they changed offensive coordinators. We're now we're da- we not, we are now a Daryl Bevel team. Uh he will be our offensive coordinator and that's that's a bit of a change from Jim Bob Cooter. Um culling plays in the exact same time all the time. Uh we're looking forward to Daryl Bevel, but uh, former badger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um how and, and uh he was he was there when, when I was in college, so I I have fond memories of him. You know, I, I think he's he's got a very good shot of being on an NFL roster sometime this year if it's not in Detroit. with uh, there's that much interest, that also tells me that his agent knows what he's doing. Um, and, and believe it or not, that makes a big deal on the undrafted free agent market. You know, if he doesn't make it, his agent's going to be right there. Okay, okay, uh, sell me to Cincinnati, sell me to Houston, sell me to Indianapolis. Get me somewhere where I have a fair shot of, of cracking the lineup. Uh, and so far, his agent has done a very good job for him, even despite going undrafted.
0: Sure, yeah, and uh, suppose that agent is Joe Panos, another former Badger lineman. So I suppose that fits. Uh, do you think- <laughs> Well, that
1: makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> yep, yep.
0: Um, So I guess, like you said, there is some uh, unknown heading into this year with the offense, but uh, Matt Patricia is the head coach, is a former Patriot defensive coordinator. Bob Quinn is the general manager, a former Patriots front office member. With the maybe the stereotype, whether it's fair or not, that the Badgers players get, do you think that a Wisconsin player is a good fit in what in that culture that they're looking to cultivate in Detroit?
1: You know that that's a good question Uh, because I think we are starting to see Matt Patricia and and Bob Quinn sort of spread their wings a little bit from from being trying to clone the Patriots in Detroit, uh, and I think this draft had something to do with that. One of the things, they value smart, versatile players. Um, I will never say anything bad about the Wisconsin academic athletes. I I think they come out and most of those guys have pretty well-developed football IQs. They're well-coached football players. Um, The Anderson years, maybe not so much, but you probably want to forget those too. I think you're
0: uh, you're not alone there, I don't think. I'm on the Badger fan base. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, so, So I think in that regard, I think he does pretty well. They do want people who are not going to make mistakes, who are going to you know, carry out their given assignment on every snap. And from what I saw, I think he fits that pretty well. He is not a guy who's going to blow people away with his, his skill or his technique. Those are both things that he's going to have to work on. But it, he seems like a guy who's going to come in and work for it. So he's he's got those things going for him. I think that that is an asset. You know, Wisconsin players – Speaking from from afar, from the other side of of Lake Michigan, there, there's a lot of respect for how well prepared they are to get into the NFL, um, and maybe maybe they're not. They don't have the ceilings of, of some other programs. They don't necessarily get the. They're not Ohio State. They're not Michigan. They're not Texas A&M. Getting those kinds of you know just freak athletes very often. So in in turn they they wind up being uh, like Michigan State, one of the local programs here. Um, they, they tend to get guys who they have to work and who need to work hard to get to where they achieve it. Uh, And I think Wisconsin players have done that a very good job of that.
3: All right.
0: Well, Jeff, thank you very much. Uh, You've given us some time here. So unwind as we head towards rookie mini camps, but we appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule. Uh, If you want to just uh, plug some of your stuff, you coming up. So uh, anything else uh, you're writing recently or where uh, the, the listeners here can find your work or find you on Twitter.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for that. Um, I'm. You can find stuff all the time. I wrote my 10 favorite picks of the 2019 draft at Real GM. Uh, go to footballrealgm.com. Um, you can also go there for your Bucks needs. It's a, technically a basketball site in, in its origin, so check all that out. There's a thriving Bucks community on there, too. Um, you can also find me at Lions Wire. Uh, I know most people are probably Packers fans. Uh, we try to be very balanced in what we do at Lions Wire, so uh, if, if you want to check in on the enemy, uh, and see what that's about. We we have content daily at there. If you want to jump on the Baker Mayfield Miles Garrett bandwagon, please check out Brownswire because that is a very fun place to be right now. That That is a fun team. I don't know if they're going to be great, but they're going to be a lot of fun.
0: All right, Jeff, like I said, thank you very much for uh, spending your time with us here. Uh, we appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on uh, sometime in the future uh, Hopefully to, uh, to acquire Badgers. So, uh, again, appreciate your time, and uh, thank you very much. Hey, thanks, man.
2: And we are back here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Jay Kokorowski, Owen Reese, big thanks for him for taking on that interview with Jeff on Thursday night, just to kind of pull back the curtain. Again, uh, that is Owen Reese from Bucky's Fifth Quarter. I'm Jay Kokorowski. And I'm the interim manager slash podcast manager here at Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And thank you again for tuning in. You guys have been great uh, as we've expanded the podcast, as we've expanded just the site uh, in in the past month. And, again, big thanks to our community. That's one thing I want to reiterate with Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Uh, It's not just a bunch of fans coming together and talking. It's a community. We love the constructive dialogue. We love chatting. We love feedback. If you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter right now, on our website we actually have a question asking what do you want out of us as a website, especially during this off season, and you guys have responded back. Keep that feedback coming. Keep letting us know how we're doing on this podcast, right? Because Owen and I need to know what you want to listen to, and if it keeps it, come, it keeps you coming back, uh, we want to know about it, and we'll get to how you can do that in just a little bit too. So, uh, but looking forward to talking to some spring real quick, and we're gonna have a full spring recap. I'm hoping. In the coming week, I just have been pretty busy with some administrative stuff along with getting a bunch of those articles out. Uh, you can tell, you can with all the analysis, I still have features to do on Leo Chanel on the outside linebackers. I'm hoping, hoping folks to get those out by uh, the end of this week, if not early next. Uh, so, hopefully, you guys are still have a little bit of a, something you want something to chew on from spring ball there so i'm hoping to give you those features coming up Uh, i got some transcribing to do we'll see if the the family and the kiddos allow me to do that but going and just you know with spring ball and kind of who stood out and um, i'll name five right now and you there's i wrote something on bucky's fifth quarter about this maybe a few days ago a couple days ago and to me you know i want to start off to first off Uh, And you guys heard me on the camp, which is on uh, the you know part of the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Zach Halpern had Jesse Temple from the Athletic, John Veldheis from BadgerBlitz.com, Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal, and myself to to talk about spring ball and and what we saw. And I named Jack Cohen as my MVP, along with I said Leo Chanel first, but Jesse had actually taken my answer. So, uh, in my opinion, though, Jack, I'm intrigued by, and I'll, I'll explain why a little bit more. He passed, he started like in the two last two practices that I saw that were the final two practices practices on a Friday. So the 19th and the 26th it were by far his best passing performances that I had seen. He was driving, you know, questions about I had questions about how he could drive the ball downfield. Especially keeping defenses honest, right? You know not 8 9 heck maybe even 10 players in a box will try to stop Jonathan Taylor next year, especially with an offensive line that's replacing four starters and it'll be a little bit more retooled there. We'll see if they can get to that level, but uh, I thought Cohn drove the ball farther this spring. I thought he did a really good job, especially those last two practices. I'll, I'll call it the last practice, and it's, I know it's recency bias, folks. So don't don't think that I know that I don't know that. But you know, he hit AJ Taylor deep for a couple of, of, of long passes, and then he also threw a nice back shoulder throw to Taylor for a touchdown against Fayon Hicks. Uh, this is during the scrimmage portions of things. On on that Friday a week ago, but then on top of that, uh, you know, it just uh, he threw three touchdown passes altogether, and two of them were to Garrett Groshek. So, and I'll talk about Groshek in just a few minutes. I really liked how uh, there's a leadership component that you can see on the field where he's talking to their quarterbacks Uh, at times. I noticed that where he was still out on the field while the the other quarterbacks were giving signals. So, I think there's this leadership component to him. John Budmeyer talked about how he's like the way that he's approached you know ever since you know coming into winter conditioning to you know through that through you know spring ball that was back in mid-april that bud meyer talked to reporters he liked the approach that he's had and i think going into fall camp you know it's it'll be interesting to see who actually stands out you know who gets those fall camp reps and who will be named starter when wisconsin goes down to south florida on august 30th and you know uh but Cone will be there in terms of competing for those reps in fall camp to be named starter. And I think that didn't change. I think he has solidified himself there. And so that's why I named him my MVP, besides Chanel, for that matter. We'll get to Chanel at the end, by the way. Garrett Groshek, I mentioned him. I thought, you know, you didn't, Jonathan Taylor got some reps. He got, got a lot of individual, like, positional work, obviously. He did a little bit of work with team. But... Guys like Nakia Watson and Isaac Rendo, Brady Shipper. Garrett Groshek got reps, too, to help them develop. But I thought Groschik ran the ball hard. He caught the ball out of the backfield. Not just those two touchdown passes from Jack Cohn on the last practice, but I remember that on April 19th, uh, it was Graham Mertz, and he, di- he threw a dart to Groshek, who reeled it in for a touchdown during that scrimmage session. So really, it's, in my opinion this team you know has a good has a good durable back in terms of passing situations in Groshiik right now I know it's only spring ball for that matter but he also took a 43 yard screen pass for a touchdown in the season opener last year so and he also had 20 I think 23 24 some odd catches last season so we'll see how much that expands his repertoire and we'll see if he actually does you know I mean he talked about it early on in spring camp with reporters talking about uh, I mean, you know, we'll see just, you know, his, he's willing to do anything for the team. Uh, and he's been used as kind of a down and distance type back where you've seen him on an 11 personnel and he'll run the ball here and he's had success with that too. So I'm excited to see how much further his role develops. And I thought he looked really well, um, during the, the seven practices that I saw. Now looking at the defensive side of the ball, Reggie Pearson, uh, sophomore looks to be behind Eric Burrell and Scott Nelson, but by golly, I think he'll contribute in the fall, uh, barring injury. He hits hard. He can pick off pla- passes. He can break up passes with his physicality. I think he, you know, I think Wisconsin's got a. And I said this on uh, the camp that, uh, the, you know, the camp podcast with Zach Heilprin and others. I thought the safeties are the strongest group, just because I think, and I qualified it too. I'm a little worried about the depth. They only had six healthy safeties during the spring. However, that two deep, you have four capable starters, in my opinion, there. That includes Colin Wilder at Houston Transfer. And so I'm really interested in seeing just how, uh, you know, Pearson can work his way in. I'm sure they'll have some packages there, but I think Jim Leonard's, uh, he praised the safety group uh, back in mid-April when he, he talked to reporters, saying they've made big steps. And so uh, I think Pearson will be definitely at the very worst, uh, a more than capable, uh, more than capable backup. And I think he could, we'll see how much he pushes Scott Nelson and Eric Burrell for that matter. Uh, Going back to the offensive side of the ball, flip that over. I think David Mormon, uh, you know, and I really base this off of what Joe Rudolph said, saying that he was basically having the best spring out of the lineman so far. And that was back again, back in mid-April that's when the assistants were allowed to talk to us but mormon has he is so versatile which makes him a very you know a very commodable a very good commodity I should say uh, on that line he can play he got reps at both left tackle and right tackle he can play left guard i'm really interested in seeing how he could vie and challenge especially in the interior line. I think the left and right tackle spot spots are very, I'd say, locked in. You're going to have Cole Van Lannen on the left side. You'll have, to, by the, for that matter, Tyler Biotish at center, of which Mormon, according to Joe Rudolph, was an emergency center, by the way, so he has experience there. On top of that, Logan Bruss is right tackle, you know, looks to be the right tackle, though he did play right guard for the first part of spring before he injured his thumb. So really, you know Mormon I think will I think he'll challenge more in the interior line positions. but you know he's a Richard senior. it's his final year. This could be an intriguing year. he sat behind guys like Dieter like Ben Schwal, you know uh, John Dietzen, David Edwards, those guys. So this is his time to shine and from looks from the sound of it, sounds like he's made some noise uh, and, and the coaching staff has taken notice of that. For now, though, the last uh, the last one, and I already teased it basically, Leo Chanel, true freshman inside linebacker. Really, two interceptions off of <laughs> Graham Mertz, and you'll hear me ask him about that. He gave a very, very Wisconsin answer with the OGs. You'll hear that coming up. But he really stood out as a, I mean, physically, you look at him, he's ready, folks. And I pointed that out in our article. Six two two thirty nine. 239. You've seen the Twitter video of him bench pressing 225 pounds 32 times. So physically, he's just gifted in in a way that I think many of us would like to be, obviously. And he's, uh, with with that, I mean, once you're physically ready like that, that's when, you know, he's been working with the second team inside linebacker unit with Mike Mascalunas for the most part. He's been paired with them uh, there. I, I also saw him work with Jack Sanborn here and there when Chris Orr, would just, I think, get a rest, so that's kind of interesting too. Uh, that was here and there, that wasn't, you know, a lot, but uh, you also saw, I saw tandems of, of Sanborn and Chanel together, which would be a very, I mean, that could be a th- sign of things to come next year, uh, depending upon Chanel's development, as well as Sanborn's, but uh, I think, once obviously he's physically ready there, now it's mentally learning the game, and you'll hear him talk about it, he knows that he's got a ways to go uh, in terms of picking up everything, but uh, according to Jim Leonard, he he wants to continue to learn. He wants to, you know he wants things thrown at him. I think that's a solid sign for Wisconsin. Uh, I think that might you know, Chanel might be the steal of this 2019 class when all is said and done. So with that, let's get to that interview. Uh, more of a just a media availability with Leo Chanel. We'll play that now here on Bucky Swift podcast. We talked to him about the influence of his brother John. We talked about the interceptions against Mertz. Uh, if there's any uh, kind of Razzing. I don't know if he's razzing is the right word, but uh a little bit of just a little bit of nudging of, of poking at fun, I guess maybe the best word to put it, uh against uh Mertz after those two interceptions and uh we'll see uh you know what he does in fall camp. But without further ado, here's Leo Chanel talking to reporters here on Bucky's fifth podcast.
1: What what do you
4: hope that this team can accomplish next year? I mean, everyone's goal is obviously the national championship, but um, mm-hmm. I really just like I just look forward to playing any any of these games. I'm just lucky to be here, honestly. <laughs> so that's pretty cool here. Did you feel when you came in you'd be physically ready to go? Um, to yeah, yeah. Like when I first came in, I'm like, okay. I mean, these guys are pretty big, a lot bigger than I'm used to. But you know, maybe I can hold my own. Okay. But uh, I mean, it's it's a lot. It's a lot faster. Yeah. Uh, the guys are a lot faster. Guys are a lot bigger. So I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm doing okay physically. It's just there's so much you gotta, you gotta like transfer. You gotta have the, you gotta have not only like the mindset and all like the learning and like the playbook, but you also have to have the technique. Okay. Like, cause all this strength, like anything, strength and speed you have doesn't mean anything if you don't have the proper technique and form and all that. Okay.
2: When it comes to, what was the hardest trend? I mean, in your opinion, I mean, what was the hardest point? You know, like maybe the mental part of the game. For you, or, I mean, Garrett Groshek would mentioned earlier than spring that you're barking out calls in you know, the first practices, but what, what are some of the toughest things that you had to do like mentally to play at the position?
4: I I really think it's like learning the playbook and just learning um, my fits and when I'm like using my hands, especially I like, um, I got to use my hands a lot better because in high school, I could literally just like run into guys in my shoulder and like knock them over, and get the ball. With this, I got to use my hands and just being confident in the play, that's a huge deal because if you're, if you're 100% confident in what you're doing, you can go boom, right to your, your spot, you go right to the ball. But when you're like struggling with the playbook, so you're like, okay, where's my gap? Where's my gap? Where do I have to go? And then you like hesitate. So that's really been a struggle for me. I mean, I, I think I'll be able to overcome it in these um, next coming months, but yeah, it's just learning the playbook. It's just like, once you get it, it's like, boom, you like get to the ball, it's like a whole nother step.
1: Uh, generally, what do you what are your strengths as a player? What do you think you
4: bring to the team? Um, I think I think I can bring vo- like vocal like vocal uh, um, energy, just like bringing up the teammates. Like I I'll be like yelling to my teammates, "Let's go, let's go!" And I'm um, I mean, I'm gonna be playing hard. I don't really I don't really know any like weaknesses that I can. I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> when you you talked about being confident in the play, when you're not confident in the play and you don't you're not aggressive and you're not getting to your spot what are some of the bad things that could happen okay so when you like hesitate you yeah. like oh shoot what am i doing yep. if you if you hesitate for one second you got a 320 pound lineman right in your face catching them <laughs> you'll get pancaked <laughs> half the time so it's just, you got to be able to react fast. Even if you don't think you're 100% right, you got to get over to a yeah. certain spot or else you're just going to get caught behind and most likely pancaked. What do you talk to both that about to, to get you comfortable with this process, Bob? Um, we just, we um, really watch, uh, rewatch the plays that I've done just to mm-hmm. correct correct my mistakes and just like really focus on like, okay, that's me on the field. Okay, what should I what should I have done there? And um, it's also really nice to have watching Chris and uh, Jack on the field as well. They're good examples. So I just go and watch them and just see what they do. Just try to mim- mimic them, really. So how
2: does it feel having intercepting Graham on a couple of oh, passes this spring?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a really talented quarterback. So, I mean, intercepting any, like, talented quarterback really feels, really feels good. So, I mean, I just can't wait to, like, actually do it again. See, like, our, like, enemy teams, you know.
2: Was there any any little like nudging at him after practice about you know uh, true freshman, true little, freshman? I don't uh... know.
4: Maybe a little. <laughs> don't want to get in his face too much. How
2: has how has it been working with you know like your brother John, and, and being teammates again uh, this time at the college level, but also just some of the battles that you guys have had as well in during practice.
4: It's really fun. It's really fun having a brother down here. You like we hang out all the time, and in practice, all the coaches are wanting us to like boom go at each other, and all the tackling competitions going at each other. It's, and it's really nice, just like, even though we're on opposite sides of the ball, he's still like guiding me, giving advice the much as much as he can. He's just giving me a boost of confidence and uh, really helping my game, I guess. And yeah, it's really fun. Expe- like, when we're playing against each other, it's like going at each other and seeing who's like stopping who, and it's, it's pretty fun. I
0: assume that's made the transition easier for you?
4: Yeah, for sure. Having someone not only like the leader linebackers, but like having an own brother here. It's definitely, it's definitely really cool leading the family for us, or leading the charge for me.
0: Learn more at marines.com.
2: And we're wrapping up the show here. Another weekly edition of Bucky Smith podcast. Big thanks to Owen Reese and his interview with Jeff Rizdon from Real GM, The Browns Wire, The Lions Wire. Make sure you guys check that out. And then also, again, big thanks to Owen too for having that ability to take on that interview when I was away and coming up next week we're gonna have some more spring ball breakdowns i think we'll we'll finish up the you know the spring ball discussion there uh i'm sure we'll have uh, some special guest on as well i'm working on working behind the scenes to make that happen of course find us with social media at b5q for owen at reese draft that's r-i-e-s-e draft for me it's at Coco b5q like our instagram follow our instagram page bucky's fifth quarter and then also like us on Facebook. And for this podcast, make sure you tell us what you want us to, you know, cover and analyze and break down, and we'll do the best that we can. You can do that. You can listen, by the way, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. On top of Stitcher, you have Spotify. Anywhere you find podcasts, Bucky's fifth podcast will be there. We're part of the SB Nation Team Brands Network. Real proud member of the SB Nation, and then also leave us reviews. As Owen says, five stars, five star reviews only. Uh, but be honest with us. Let us know what we can do better. Uh, we want to make this for the community and break down what you want. Uh, once again, uh, on that note, again one more time, coming up next week for this podcast, we'll have some spring football discussion. Uh, we'll obviously have a little bit more talk. I'm sure we'll have some guests. We'll have some more, uh, we we'll fun here as always. Uh, but also coming up too, I'm sure. I know I'm interim manager right now, but I'm guessing we're gonna have a, a announcement in in the coming week or two about the new site manager here at Bucky's Fifth Quarter. I'm excited about it, uh, and we'll let you know right away when that happens. But until then, because that's a teaser, I'll talk to you guys soon. This is Jake Okorowski. You guys have a great weekend ahead. If you're in Wisconsin, enjoy the warmer weather. We deserve it. Talk to you guys next week here on Bucky's Fifth podcast.